Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 167 of the Line of Vienna Suite podcast. I'm Chris. I'm standing in for the regular host, Tom, tonight, who's away focusing his education, which blows my mind a little bit. I'm joined by our regular co-pundit, James. How are you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, I'm not too bad. It's long overdue, this, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we've tried a few times, haven't we? But for, for life getting in the way, it's never quite worked. But it's our first our first get-together since the first week of July, if you can believe that. When you, you spoke to Kieran Maguire, it's uh, been interesting, hasn't it, since? Lots gone on. Indeed, indeed. I wish we could have talked about it more more in depth as it went along. But hey, like you say, life got in the way. But thankfully, because Bolton Wanderers are never boring, there's still lots to talk about. You're damn right. And to that, and to that end, we've we've drafted in for his LOV pod debut, Matty Downs. Matty, good evening. How are you doing, mate? Hello. All right, gents. Pleasure to be here. Um, we're just <laughs> to be fair, I just saw a tweet on Twitter. I think I, it, I don't even follow. I didn't before today. Didn't even follow James on Twitter, but I think one of my followers must have retweeted it, and it, and it was just like, oh, looking for someone. So I thought, you know what? Why not? I'm a chatterbox. I'll get involved and uh, love talking Bolton. So there we go. Great stuff. Well, that fits most of the criteria, to be honest. So we're, we're very, <laughs> glad for, very glad for your free time tonight. Um, yeah, I'm interested, as I've, I've, I don't think we've spoken before. I mean, you, you know, what, what brought you to Wanderers? We've all got our own sort of history family related or whatever it might well be but what about yourself mate just you know just give us a minute or two of your own past history wanderers i'd be interested to know a bit more about you yeah so i so i actually live in west midlands so telford stafford area so it is you know at the moment i'm driving up with my brother to the home games drive about it's it's an hour and a half drive on a good day which was actually late to the mk don's game because it was absolutely throwing it down and we actually was like seven or eight minutes late even you know we left in great time um but in terms of why i support the club it was my mum was born in radcliffe so you boys must know okay. that town yeah um mm. i've never actually been there it's obviously my mum's birthplace but not much there no nope hey don't get me don't get me wrong it's not not the worst place in the world by a million miles but it's probably in the top five um, so, so yeah, my my dad was a Telford fan. He was a season ticket holder, and you know there might be some out there that argue, well, he should have brought you into the Telford world. But um, we were in the Premier League at the time, and I suppose you know when we were really young, my dad just thought, well, we'll do that. So, um, so we started going to Bolton games around. Probably, I think my first game was Palace at home. Um, Kevin Davis scored a backwards header. I mean, your memory's going to have to be exceptional to remember that, but we won 1-0, so that was a baptism fire for me. Happy days. Well, we're really glad to have you on board, and like I said, I do appreciate yeah. your time tonight. We're, what we're going to do is not recap the entirety of the last sort of six, eight weeks since the season yeah. began, because uh, who's got time for that, quite frankly? But what I thought we would do is put, draw a bit of a line in the sand and just go back a couple of weeks to to a... A pretty pretty major game, I guess, in recent Wanderers history, and one that didn't go our way in the in the end of it. But the Wigan game in the in the cup, uh, James, you and I were sat stones throw from one another. Aye. It was disappointing to lose on penalties, but I, I don't know what you felt. But I didn't particularly come out of that being too despondent, despite the result. Nah, it's it, probably because it was just a bit of a dour game. Really, there were very few chances of not nothing yeah. much happened in it, so it was just. It was just a lottery of penalties in the end. We we took some we took some good ones. We took a couple not good ones. That's just how it is sometimes. Obviously, you don't want to lose to freaks like Wigan, but <laughs> there's, 
But, you know, it's nothing you can do about it. They'll probably get knocked out by Sunderland in the next round anyway, so... I'm not I'm not particularly bothered. I'm much more focused on the league. Or or maybe the EFL trophy, because we might as well win that Tim Pot trophy before we get promoted this season. <laughs> Bit of so silver. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, some excellent points there, James. I, I enjoyed it for the atmosphere, really. It's my first yeah. game in the flesh for such a long time and, and to, to see some old faces who I'd not seen for a long time and just to have a bit of a laugh. Didn't really overshadow the result, to be honest. Um, or the result didn't really overshadow the, the amount of fun I had. I thought it was great. Uh, I thought yeah. performance-wise, we were all right. Nothing exceptional, I think, as usual. You know, we had Dapo <clears> looking <throat> like the main man, but we'll, we'll talk more about him later on. Uh, Matt, I'm not sure if you saw the game or not, but in terms of a cup run, how how hard does that rank on your list of priorities for this season? Uh, well, for me, not not that. I mean, I did go with my brother to the Wigan game. Um, I I really enjoyed it. I always enjoy mm. a game where there's where there's four thousand seven hundred Bolton fans. I mean, the only slight disappointment was that the, the, they didn't have beer on sale at half time. Mm. Um, I, I did feel just back to the penalties quickly. I I did feel you know when you get that feeling that whoever, the player that steps up, you get you get that feeling that they're gonna miss. And and I and I got that feeling with I don't know whether you watched the um, France Switzerland game at the Euros and Mbappe had a mm. he had a pretty shocking tournament and he had a very poor game and when he stepped up to take the penalty you just think it's just not going to happen and oh, I got that with Delphon yeah I got that with Delphon I knew he was going to miss so I was already expecting it um, as I walked up to the penalty but um, like back to the question priorities I mean. I do, I do think the Papa John's Trophy is a bit of a. I mean, you know, they've introduced the under twenty ones teams into it, which essentially is to benefit, to benefit the bigger teams in the country, isn't it? Really? Yeah. So it, it, I wouldn't say that trophy is anywhere near what it would be like to get promoted to the championship with with this group of players, for me. But you know, so it might be nice to to go to, you know, have a bit of a cut run. Well, we've got such a rich history, haven't we, of it in the club, and so to, to have gone so long without that, it's sorely yeah. missed from my perspective, most definitely. But like you say, the result was set, was secondary on the night. I think to, to giving some game time to to important players, ostensibly for the Cambridge game that was to come next. I mean, we've done that before in the past, haven't we? Where we've dropped players for key games to keep them fresh for the next one, and that's absolutely blown up in our face. And it did against Cambridge, so. How disappointed were you, James? Um, I'll come back to you first on this one with that Cambridge result. I know from all accounts, uh, and I'm only going to speak from my own experience watching it on the dodgy box, the performance wasn't horrendous. We just couldn't get the ball in the back of the net. A, a, a bit of a story that'll be repeated as we talk about other games to come. Yeah. Uh, we. I mean, we saw that a few times last season, creating loads of chances without having that right killer edge of the thing, whether it fell to the wrong player or they just mm. took a bad shot or they overplayed to the point where they just couldn't get in a good position to shoot and just did it out of desperation. You know, you know, there are games like that. Plus, Cambridge probably learnt the lesson from last season uh, from when they um, tried tried to play a similar style to what we played and we blew them away both times. Well, I say blew away. We drew, we made a big comeback in one and blew them away in the other. But, yeah, yeah they knew to sit with the low block this time, which really doesn't benefit some of our especially more flair players um to be able to shoot yeah and then they and then they just managed to just managed to nick one you're gonna we're gonna have games like that and it's but it's kind of nice that um that's the only reason we've lost so far 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the, they had to just sit so far back and just pray and hope that we didn't score and that they could nick some And it worked out in their favour. Didn't work out in the game afterwards, which we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, you're going to have games like that, but we're also going to have games like we had <laughs> like we had a couple days ago and like we had against uh, MK Dons and Wimbledon where we're just going to be free scoring. You know, It's all dependent on the opposition. And, of course. Yeah, it's gonna come. It's gonna come and go over the course of the season, isn't it? And, and, and Matty, looking at the the lineup for that game, Everett brought on Delfonso and Kachunga to try and chase that result. How confident are you on on paper at either of those two being a game changer off the bench? Because for me, uh, I'm well, not particularly confident in either of them in being a a reliable goal scorer. I I agree with you completely. Um, I'd almost go as far to say, for me, although Kachunga has has come into the club. And and he seems to be a fan favourite. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it with a player where he hasn't necessarily done that much in his performances, and yet everybody loves him. He's got his own chant, which is remarkable after what four games. Um, but for me, and and I, this is why I'm sure we'll talk about it. You know, you know, we said before the podcast that we talk about um, our transfer window and and the Darcy and politics situation. For me, was possibly an incorrect decision. When I look at our bench and we're bringing on Kachunga and Delfonso, mm. I don't think either are strong enough. Um, I don't think either of them have got a goal in them. So you take off Doyle, you bring on Kachunga, which seems like it, it seems like the substitution that he makes every game at the moment. And, and I think you lose the goal threat sometimes. I absolutely agree. Yeah, I mean, Delfonso scored six last season for us in a, in a season where we were you know, we did all right as, as far as attacking play goes, especially in the latter half of the season. So I think it's unrealistic to expect him to, to trouble the scorers. And Kachunga didn't score at all in the league for Sheffield Wednesday. So we're, we're, I think those two are being brought on more in hope than expectance, in expectation, which doesn't do us any favours. But like you say, we'll come to talk about the, the transfer window momentarily. Um, I agree with you about politics completely. I, I wouldn't have let him go. I know Everts made his reasons plain, and that's totally fair. But I still think that he's got that X factor that neither of those two lack, and he could have been an option for us. I think it's sad to see him. I assume he's either struggling for fitness or he's just trying to break into Port Vale team. I don't think he's made too many appearances, if any. He's not made a single yet. one. Mm, I, so I, I think it's disappointing. Yeah, but I also think it's kind of formation based because they play the three-five-two, and we all know politics right. are wing back. So unless no. they're chasing a game, they're probably not going to be bringing him on anytime soon. He probably only joined because. Mm. David Flitcroft is working there and they know each other from obviously <laughs> the key fill reign. I think um Ever has I think I saw an article, I forgot where it was from, but I think Ever has basically said to Politic that we're not going to be improving the contract offer. So it we might have seen Politic in a Bolton shirt for the last time. Who knows? But I have been keeping an eye on the appearances of Darcy and Politic and they've both been there, what, three, four weeks I don't know actually. When did they go? Probably three weeks ago now. Something. Yeah, something like that. And they, I don't think either have made an appearance. So, uh, you know, you look at the effectiveness of of a loan, and so far for either of them, it's been, well, pretty pointless, you'd say. Yeah, especially with fitness being cited as the main reason for them to go out on loan. It does perhaps seem a bit daft, but you never know. It's not like we can complain about the players that are still uh, are still in the team, is it, at the minute? Things are, things are going suspiciously well for Wanderers, so we'll... Uh, We'll see how that develops in time. But I'd love to see politics back. Like I said, I think that X factor is 
is something that we don't have in, yeah. in many many spots across the pitch. And so that, that little bit of flamboyancy and that little bit of unpredictability would, would, would do as well if we can harness that and get him in the team. Yeah, I'd also say in regards to that, it didn't help that we also lost um, two possibly game-changing players in uh, Bakayoko and Amici to injury so soon who could have been that different kind of player to provide sure. new kind of impetus off the bench. Yeah. So I agree with that. Yeah. So relying on Delfonso, who we know comes across as a bit of a lackadaisical player and uh, Kachunga, who by all accounts is a, a bit of a worker, but I'm not sure how much else he's got outside of that. I mean, he had a good debut, to be fair, but outside of that, I've not really seen that much from him so far. Yeah, I, I think he, he came with a reputation, didn't he, from Wednesday and from Huddersfield fans as being a as being a hard worker, which is completely fine. But I do I do think perhaps we just need to re- recalibrate our expectations in terms of what he can do from an attacking sense. Don't get me wrong, I think he's got definitely got something about him. He's played at a high enough level elsewhere. But perhaps if we look at him more as a as a supporting player as opposed to being the answer to that striking question, um, you know, you know, we, I think I said on. We're in a rare moment of, of lucidity that we needed and needed the Klasnich and we got an Elmander in, in mm. respect to the, the work rate and the, the lack of end product on, on Kachunga. But time will tell. Hopefully he'll come through. I was really, really disappointed about the Amaechi um injury, mm. which was which was what back in pre season. I think I think it was probably the, one of the first or second game he played for us. It um, was it was the one that we went to at Preston James, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can't remember exactly how it happened, but it happened right. I think he was just us. an innocuous, an innocuous challenge. Yeah, it was one of them where it didn't look like a two-month layoff when we first saw it. Certainly not. Certainly not. Well, hopefully Hamburg can be persuaded to. I mean, if he does, if he does come back in November and they want him back in January, then it. it I mean, for all parties, including the player himself, it's going to be a bit of. It's going to be one of those that he might only play seven or eight games for us, and then he's gone. So. Um, let's just hope we don't fall in love with him, eh? That's it. Not like we're guilty of that in the past. Well, <laughs> villain and springs to mind. <laughs> there you go. That was the Cambridge game in a nutshell. But then, as as we mentioned, the transfer window. We also had a game that night. Uh, it turned out to be a pretty exciting one as well against Port Vale in the Football League Trophy. Um, held at the Reebok on a on a, a, a palmy night. In in brief, so one just took the lead through Doyle. Port Vale soon equalised and then went 2-1 up, but then through the previously flagged off for not scoring enough goals, Delfonso came through with it with another one. And then that man Dapo popped up with 15 minutes or so to go and we, and we won the game. It was an interesting interesting one, sat, again, sat watching it from home from the comfort of my sofa. Um, Jilks was brought back into the team, as did Thomason and Tut, and I thought Thomason and Tut in particular played really well that night. I'd, I'd kind of, I'd not forgotten, but I'd kind of almost forgotten how much I thought how much I rated Tut, and he came back into the side seamlessly, and, and him and Thomason were, were really, really effective together. James, if you can cash your memory back to that night, and we'll talk about the transfer window as a separate thing in a minute. Uh, Thomason and Tut, where do they sit in your pecking order in terms of misfielders? Because I think it's pretty obvious that Darcevic and Williams are the untouchables in that in that midfield, but when they rotate Lee, when they rotate um, Tut, or when Sheehan's on a, off on international duty, are these players that you'd like to... Are you happy? Should we say in hindsight, now the window's shut, happy to still be around to supplement the main guys? Yeah. Well, well, I'm happy to have Tut around, especially after that performance. I, I thought he mm. was really unlucky not to start with Sheen on international duty. I can understand why he'd rely on Lee, because he has a bit more um, energy about him and goes forward a bit more. But, yeah, 
Yeah, no. Tut's just one of those players who's been really unlucky, but you know, you know, he's that reliable elder statesman. Should anything go wrong, you 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 always know that you can bring him in. He doesn't have to be a star at this point, and hopefully, yep. and like you said in the match, he seems to be a good influence on the likes of Thomason, who's still learning his trade, still at who obviously has excellent passing range, but still needs to work a lot on some of his other raw parts of his game, like his positioning or his defensive work especially important in that position so yeah I'm fine with top popping up every now and again there were quite a few improvements especially from a lot of those players because a lot of those players played the Wigan game and, and there were definitely some much more improved performances uh, around as well from the likes of uh, Brockbank uh, Gordon who, who was continuing his resurgence uh, oh there was what oh there was one more who's not coming to mind right now but either way yeah yeah, no, that that was a fun game. I was worried when we went 2-1 down, especially because both of them were really avoidable. Mainly the second one was really avoidable from Jilks' part. But, yeah, it's kind of the mentality that's been showing throughout the season. Um, the, you know, you know um, Jilks and... Um, no, no, sorry, sorry uh, not Jilks. Uh, All right. Well, you, well, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, we've got that, we've got that comeback quality in us, and the personality about the squad. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We don't take defeats lying down anymore, or being behind lying down anymore. Now, I think that's a really good point because we, we, you know, as we'll come to talk about uh, the Ipswich game shortly, that that kind of mentality serves us well. Matty, from your perspective, I know we spoke about the midfield, but for me, I thought that this was this was Isgrove's best performance of the season at that point. Um, his Grove, obviously, his last season, his end result was maybe sometimes a little bit questionable, but Everett clearly likes him as a result of the, the work rate he puts in. And we mentioned that before with Kachunga as being a really positive thing. Um, I was a bit... Probably, I probably wouldn't have re-signed his Grove if I was in charge, which shows what I know, given how well he's playing <laughs> now. But what were your thoughts on his performances last season and also his performances so far this? Well, for me, his Grove this season has, has actually has actually been exceptional. Um, whether he's come on from the come off from the bench or or if he started the game, but I think that the massive difference in that is because of Dapo's increase in productivity. If you take last season, I mean, Dapo was actually a bit unlucky to only score one goal. I mean, he hit the post a number of times. I think he might have got a couple of assists, but yeah. someone correct me if I'm wrong. But that's still really for for his performances and how much he was going round players. You know, you did think that there was maybe something lacking there, and and at that point, you you could see exactly why West Ham released him. And when you've got two wingers either side of Doyle, essentially contributing nothing in terms of goals and assists, then you're going to struggle to score. And as we did, we got promoted, but a lot of the wins were one nil, and we and we relied on a resolute defence. But I actually don't mind Isgrove not being. I think. Isgrove's main part of his game is his work rate. Yeah. The, the frustrating thing with me with Isgrove is not so much his goals and assists. It's the fact that when he does get an opportunity to cross, very often it lacks quality. And that's the biggest that's the biggest issue for me with, with Isgrove's performances. But, you know, with, with, with Dapo's goals and assists, that he's he's absolutely flying this year. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about him more later. Um, but, you know, with with him doing what he's doing this year, I'm more than happy for his growth to n- not do as much on a goals and assist point of view. 
Yeah, fair enough. Take that point completely. Well, that brings us on neatly to the events of the same evening from a from a wondrous perspective elsewhere from the Reebok. Was the it was transfer deadline day? So going into transfer deadline day, I don't know about you lads, but for my hopes, I, I would have perhaps have, have liked a, 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 a new goalkeeper. And I don't mean that as to, to necessarily decry Dixon. I think he's done very, very little wrong to join us. It's just maybe my exposure to, to him and to know what he can do at that point was, was lacking. But obviously since then he's shown that, you know, in the fortnight since that he's that he's definitely appears to be good enough for this level, which I think is a, is a relief. But one position I would have liked us to have strengthened would have been a, a some sort of genuine competition for Doyle. I think Doyle's got a lot, a lot of positive attributes, but I was a bit <clears throat> dubious as to, you know, penalties aside, how many goals he might contribute from open play this season. And I thought he started the season off reasonably poorly as well, or slowly. It's probably a better way to say it. Um, his character's un- undeniable. You know, he, he was so good for us last season. Like you just said, Matty, came up trumps for us in so many of those 1-0 wins where he would pop up with yeah. a goal. Um, and, and I even I heard an interview with one uh, another defender in League 2. I can't remember who it was now. It's completely slipped my mind. But they said that Doyle would do nothing for the game and then pop up with a goal five minutes before. And that's fantastic. Mm. Ever, however, seems to have a bit of a, a trend from time to time, in hooking him off after 60, 65 minutes. Whereas when that happens, I don't mind that, but I think we need to have somebody of at least, you know, a moderately equivalent ability to bring on and trouble defenders. And like we've already said, I don't think Delfonso and Kachunga are necessarily that player. But Matty, from your perspective, how did the transfer window go for Wanderers? I'm talking about the end result. Are you, are you happy that we didn't strengthen in, in respect to the players that we've already got? Would you have liked to have seen anyone else depart and, and feel free to be as harsh as you want to be on that front well I mean I think we all look at Brandon Comley and some of us might feel a little bit sorry for him I, I feel a little bit sorry for him to be honest like mm. you know he's been shipped out to the to the under 21s or reserve team whatever it is ultimately in his performances at the start of last season I know the team wasn't doing very well but he was supposed to be he was, you know, at the time he was actually a pretty marquee signing. If, if yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, after Doyle Good and pedigree. after Starskovich, you would probably argue that Comley was our, you know, was supposed to be a good signing. I was excited about him before the season, but you know, obviously that situation with with Brandon Comley is a bit stale, um, and and that would be one that I would have definitely wanted to move on. But it is what it is, and maybe he'll go in January on loan. Um, but other than that, we got our business done quickly and efficiently at the start. We got Dapo, we got Declan John, um, Sheehan, who I didn't know much about at the time. I mean, I did watch both of the Newport games, but I didn't actually know much about him. But, to, you know, to have a player that, that is highly regarded by the Welsh national team is is brilliant. And having watched him play in person a number of times now, he, he is the real deal. Um, and we're very lucky to have him. So, overall, very, very pleased with the transfer um, market period for us. Um, other than the Comley, any? I mean, I do agree with you to a point, um, Chris, about about competition for Doyle, genuine competition. But by all accounts, he was absolutely superb against Ipswich. And if it wasn't for Dapo's <laughs> quite remarkable performance, he probably would have got man of the match. Though I was reading on Twitter, so i think I think there's a lot to look forward to this season and and not too much to moan about from my perspective. I think that's a very good point you make at the end there maybe that's that's what I need to learn is to uh, is to focus on the positives but from all all accounts that's exactly where we are with things Jamie, I'll pose the same question to you mate. Were there any positions in which you thought we might have strengthened that we didn't, and were there any players commonly aside who've remained that perhaps you thought might have been 
candidate for departure? Uh, well, I know he was never a proper candidate for departure, but I personally still would have gotten rid of Delfonso. But, mm. but you know, that's the, that. Him and Everett just seem to have some sort of connection, whether that's from the Blackpool days or whether he sees something on the training ground that we don't. I don't know, but either way, either way Alfonso's staying to at least January, so there's that. Um, we we already went over Comley, uh, although I will add to that that I do feel slightly sorry that he wasn't registered to the squad when mm. Liam Edwards, who hasn't played since January 2020, was. I feel a bit harsh for him in that regard, especially when we had two more spaces in the squad available to register senior players but whatever that's either here nor there he's probably not going to recover from that um yeah it's I, a tough one isn't it that Liam Edwards one I, I I don't recall exactly if it's the same Bregs in this division as it was the last time round, where you had to have a certain number of academy graduates in your squad because I did wonder whether senior might be one of those players that went out on loan uh, but at the same time I don't know if there's any any requirement to register a certain number of, of homegrown players I think there's a homegrown limit. I'm not sure about the academy mm. thing, but I, but whatever. I, I assume we fill the quarters no matter what. But um, yeah, I think he also mentioned potentially sending senior out on loan, though I don't think ever materialised to anything concrete, no. considering he was on the bench for Port Vale. Um, I pretty much agree with everything that you said regarding Doyle. He, he needs he needs a proper competition. Though to be fair, when Bakayoko's back, maybe he can be that competition, sure. providing something different. N- not obviously in the goal scorer sense, like another Klasnich, like you were saying, that we wanted, but you know something different up top, if if need be. Uh, and I know, I suppose I suppose Kinchunga and Delfonso are these players now, but I'd I'd want another back. I'd I'd have wanted a backup to Afalayan because I just get worried at some point that. I know he draws in all the fouls, but I'm also just worried at some point that one of them is just going to snap so much and take and take Dapo out. That's my biggest mm. fear this so far this season that that's just going to materialise. But overall, I would say I am very happy with our business, especially considering our entire squad is free and we and we still look a really quality side in this division. Definitely, well said. Well, that brings us on nicely then to the first game after. The chance win the shot, which was Monday the sixth of September at home to Burton Albion, a an nil nil draw, but one of the more entertaining nil nil draws of recent history. Wanderers, it's fair to say, dominated the game. We had twenty five shots, although only four on target, seventy six percent possession, and we had five hundred and twenty nine passes in the game compared to Burton Albion's hundred and seventy eight. Uh, James, I'll stick with you on this particular one. Uh, I've never seen such a dominant nil nil draw, but where 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 did you think that the game ranked in terms of frustrations with you I know the referee has got a big part to play in that but tell me the, the story of the game in your own words uh, well I think and I honestly think the best way I can sum it up is I know, I kind of know now how Man City fans felt when they just hit the bar about 8 billion times during that match <laughs> we won 1-0 against them I feel that exact same frustration um, but again this is what I was saying before the the even even though Bert, I'm not sure how Burton play exactly, but I'm pretty sure they've never played that low uh, a defensive line it, throughout the entire time they've been in the league under Hasselbank. So they had a game plan and they did say it out. I, f- I thought we broke that with Lee, but 
well, referees, what are you going to do? All EFL, re- pretty much all EFL referees are absolutely woeful, so that's nothing new. They're just different levels of woeful. Outside of that, <laughs> it was just, you, you just got that feeling like, it's not going to happen. We could we could hammer them for 90 more minutes and they'd just block everything. Um, I, I will give credit to Burton's defence and especially their goalkeeper because they did... They, did keep out some significant sh- shots and chances, but it, it it was just one of those days. Where, and I'm sure Burton were happy to take the nil-nil and we just had to walk away and eat shit, really. <laughs> and I, I think you're right. Um, I think, you know, it's it's been one of those performances where pretty much everything went right, apart from that final touch. And Matt, I'll come to you in a sec on that one, but... Mm-hmm. The referees' mistakes being one obvious thing, but we also, as I said before, we had 25 shots but only hit four on target. Just goes to show where we do need to maybe improve a little bit. But Matt, if from from your perspective, uh, we had at least two incidents that could have been uh, could have been described as controversial to say the very least. One with a a, a disallowed league goal and one with a penalty right at the very end. Uh, what were the frustrations from your perspective as a as a visiting fan, given your efforts in getting up there? from your, your home in East Midlands that night? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the game. I thought we were absolutely excellent. I'd go as far to say that. I mean, I, I watched most of them on iFollow last year um, and I've been to a number of games this year, home and away. Um, and I actually think that was one of our best performances ever under ever. I would I would really go that far. I think we were absolutely superb. Um, and I, and back to a point slightly earlier, I actually prefer as a, as an attacking threat with Isgrove. I mean, he was okay. playing Bakayoko right wing, which is a good option to have, don't get me wrong. But for me, Bakayoko would be on the bench and Isgrove would be that pressing and that pace on the right wing. That's just my preference. Um, but but back to the back to the question on, on the decisions. I mean, I was absolutely bewildered by the offside decision and, and my dad was watching it at home on TV and my brother text my brother was in the stadium with me and I, he texted my dad at half time and my dad loves sport he watches it all day every day and he said that's one of the most disgraceful decisions he's mm-hmm. ever seen I mean the linesman didn't have any issue with it and the ref I think the ref has just buckled under the pressure of the Burton players and we don't seem to do enough of that I thought that last year and I've thought that so far this year we're not enough of a shit house if that makes sense. We don't get in the ref's faces. A bit too nice. Uh, yeah, a little bit too nice because I think the only reason he changed his mind was, was because the keeper had a moan and said he was in my way. But you look at the still pictures, you look at the videos, Doyle's is, it, it, it could be like, honestly, three or four metres away from the keeper's eye line. It's a terrible decision. There's no doubt about that. Um, and to the penalty, I, I'm in IL too, so right, you know, they, they used to call it the crazy corner. I don't know whether it's still called that, but <laughs> um, I, I didn't actually see the penalty. Um, and from my perspective, we weren't even claiming for it because it was so far for us. Yeah, um, fair enough. That's one, of the, that's one of the negative points about sitting where I do is that when the action is up the other end, we don't get as much of entertainment, you know. Um, but having seen the replays of it, it, it was a clear push and it should have been a penalty. Most definitely. I think we're all in complete agreement there. So it was a nil-nil draw in the end, but one that maintained our you know, moderately positive form, Cambridge aside, uh, and w- which took us into the, the Saturday's Passages game against Ipswich. Now, just before that, we had uh, an announcement. In fact, it was a day or two before the uh, the Burton game. So there's me not doing my research in terms of the timeline 
where football ventures had come in and, and managed to clear the creditors bill and all the issues that we had per- percolating in the background about that. So, James, without wanting to go all Kieran Maguire on you or anything like that, that is, again, uh, another positive sign of the, the, the intent of the current owners that we've got at the club to make sure that we are that stable force that they promised us at the start. And to hark back to the second second part of that YouTube documentary that they put out as well, it feels like the club's in good hands, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it feels no, so nice to be stable and when you actually hear about the bills are coming around the corner, you're not worried at all. Like you, you, yep. you fully feel like they're going to be paid on time, and it's it's just nice to be hearing good things about Bolton, building all the vibes. They're making all these nice little changes in and around the ground, and morale's just high all around. You hear the stories about how Sharon is constantly communicating with the players, such of such should something happen. Um, communicating with ever um they, i mean this happened a lot before but um but also they're all going out into communities the players are even smaller things like interacting with the fans on twitter and stuff like that we're all getting behind each other it it's it's been a it's been a vibe that's not really been around the club since the sam allardyce days but it feels more at least according to what my granddad says because i wasn't <laughs> aware during this time but like the like it feels similar to the Bruce Rioch days according to him yeah you're going back to the start of my my supporting time back in the late 80s and early 90s there when I was sort of six seven eight years old and that kind of thing's difficult to comprehend when you're that age but I mean just a feeling of looking forward to the game and the feeling of enjoying yourself that it's not a, a slog and Matt you'll know better than anyone else the effort you go to to travel to games is on the hope and, the, and the, the pretense that you're going to be rewarded by an entertaining game of football. And I think it's fair to say that under the eight, the, the Ken Anderson years, whilst the Parkinson ta- Parkinson era had its moments, it was pretty attritional for the most part. How mm. important to you is it to have a club that's that's on an even keel in the background to to pay off against the, the efforts that you take to get to a game? Yeah, exactly. This is, this is the most positive I've felt ever. I mean, Really, if I look back to the Premier League days, I was very young. I'm only I'm only 24, um, so for me, the the uh, you know the Europa League days, I was pretty young then. But I didn't didn't go to the away games or whatever in Europe like like some fans may have done. So this for me is easily the most positive I've felt about Bolton, and I and I always talk. I've got um, a friend that's a Shrewsbury fan, and we had a bet at the start of the season. Where I, I bet with him a hundred pounds that Bolton would finish above Shrewsbury this year. So we we're having this ongoing joke, but genuinely, I feel, and I think a lot of people get get this same get this same feeling about this about this group of players. It feels like something is happening. It feels like a back to back promotion is genuinely not out of out of reach. Um, so if we can stay injury free and if we can keep Dapo fit. I really, I really am feeling incredibly positive. Oh, that's fantastic, and that's something I'm looking forward to to getting down and seeing on on Saturday. Is the 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 wall, the wall of fame, the the inside of the stadium again, just a little bits and bobs that they've put a bit of heart and soul and, and thought into mm-hmm. with the Bolton fan as as forefront of that. So yeah, totally echo the words that you both said. Well, that brings us neatly on on the, with the mention of Dapo there to the Ipswich game on Saturday. So of course, Wonders went into that probably bubbling with frustration given how uh, controversial and frustrating the game was against against Burton Albion. 
for myself going into that game, I didn't have particularly high hopes, to be honest, although that was boosted a little bit before the game when I saw the Ipswich team of 99% of whom were strangers. who had never heard of half the names before. Luco, I'd heard of, that was about it. The rest didn't really know them. Uh, so I, I felt a little bit more confident as, the, as we as we approached the game. So, James, from your perspective, you know, we, we play that tried and tested 4-2-3-1 that Everett loved so much. I wonder if that's even, at times, almost set up for us to, to work as a counter-attacking team on the break. But were you confident before the game? Did you think we'd win? Where was your head at before the game started? Uh, well, considering uh, Itchwich's poor form and... I was I was quite confident. I know in the past, Bolton have always been that team to break people's bad luck streaks, but I mean, it even happened last season when we got battered six three by Port Vale. But mm. I didn't get the exact. I didn't get that same feeling. I didn't like that we went um, down so early. But that's a, the good thing about going down early is that you've got plenty of time to come back. And boy, did we come back! <laughs> I've it said was it sensational, once. I've wasn't said it? A thousand times. He's the best player in the world. <laughs> I just want him to acknowledge me. That's all it'll take. Just once, just to acknowledge that tweet. And I'll continue to post it every single week for the rest of my life. But I think the only thing we can really focus on at this point is is the performance of Athalai. And I know you mentioned before, Matt, that his stats last season were not the best. But I mean, that just goes to show that assist and goal stats are, are not the entire story when it comes to judging a player. I think it's probably fair to say that we've not had anyone this exciting play for the club for me since the early years of Zach Clough's emergence on the scene. And even before that, it's difficult to think of somebody who, who, even watching an eye follow last season, which was a soul-destroying experience, at times it was clear that Dapo had something special about him. And and to come in cold, like he did from from West Ham, and I think he's started every single game since, bar one or two, even if that... He's been, he's, he's come in, he's made the place his own, and I think he's he's united the supporters uh, again behind someone who's genuinely positive, genuinely looks like he's enjoying the game. And at the minute, he's absolutely flying. Um, Matty, do you think this lad's got a ceiling? I know we're, I've, I've seen a couple of people on social media tongue in cheek talking about him being a £10 million player in the future. Let's perhaps <laughs> not go there quite yet. But where do you see this guy going? Because on, on current form, struggle to struggle to find a more exciting player in League One. Well, if you, I mean, if you look at his, I mean, I've been looking at some of his stats and I follow this this Instagram page called League, something called, something, something or other right, League One anyway, and he's top of the charts in terms of average match rating, which is right. exceptional out of 24 teams, really. Um, and he's only adding to that. He's, he's, he's widening and widening the gap between the next player down. I, I can't remember who that is now. But, he he's just been superb, and I and I actually only realised two weeks ago that that Dapper wasn't a West Ham youth product. He I think he I believe he was at was he at Boreham Wood or Solihull Moors? Yeah, two years? is he that went, right? I think I read he started at Chelsea, and then he's had a bit of a, a nomadic ex- existence since then. So Solihull, uh, he yeah. went in Toronto for a time in in Canada before mm. going back to West Ham, and obviously he only made one appearance for them in the cup, and, and he scored. But then a couple of loan deals with Alderman Mansfield, not really ripping up any trees before he started for us. And I mean, other than the, the, the sort of 30 games he's played for Wanderers, he's only played another 80 games in his entire career, none of which have been mm. higher than League Two. He's he's coming on at an incredible pace and the lad's only 24. You know, he's he's not really played a great deal of professional football at this stage in his in his career. I, exactly. I wouldn't... 
I wonder whether, you, whether it's, yeah, sorry, mate, I bear, bear with me one second. I wonder whether that means that he's not suffering from the burnout that other young players might have who've, who've started mm. at 17, 18 and perhaps played two, 250, 250, 300 games by the time they turn 24. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think it, it says a lot that actually he's not a West Ham youth product and that West Ham saw something and they must have bought him, I'm guessing, for was it for a fee or just because he was out of contract at Solihull Moors yeah, or whatever? It doesn't, doesn't particularly say online, but we can we can certainly assume that his performances at Solihull were, were good enough to, to get the attention of a Premier League team. It doesn't happen that often that players make that kind of jump. I think for me, he... I think I was saying this to my brother last week. I, I've not been this in love with a player for Bolton mm. probably since either Mark Davis or Chung Young Lee for me. I know you mentioned briefly Zach Clough and, and in the early stages, Zach Clough was extremely exciting for us. But in terms of my love for a player, it it, it hasn't been quite like this since, since Chung Young Lee or Mark Davis. So um, just brilliant. And, it, and he's a fantastic asset for the club and, back to the original question of of where do you see this guy going well that very much depends on 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 the ambition and and the the financing structure of what of what football ventures feel is best for him because he he will have potential suitors there's no doubt about that you don't you know if he carries on this form but it's just superb that we've got him on a three-year deal because that is fantastic business from the club because you know if, if someone does want him next year, next summer, or even in January, if they really want him, they're going to have to pay big bucks because he isn't on a light contract. So it, it's wonderful business from Football Ventures and, and what an asset for the club. Definitely agree. And James, I'll come to you in a sec, but I think we'd, we'd probably all be in agreement that uh, at this point in time, he, he deserves those contract terms to be looked at again. If we can extend that and protect the club's interest in the player, then that can only be, only be to our benefit. Uh, James, I'm going to, put you on the spot a little bit in terms of the, the slightly negative aspect or the very negative aspect, I should say, of his performance on Saturday was the, the abuse he got on social media, which was, was both racial and, and even more offensive in nature. Uh, your opinion on those sorts of things, James? And again, I don't want to put you on the spot. If you're not comfortable with it, then we can absolutely move on. No, no, it's fine. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty vocal about this kind of stuff and it all I can really sum it up as is this is why players keep taking the knee. And why we should keep taking the knee. Mm. The fact that some people, I, 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 I didn't actually watch the full video of um, what what happened to Dapo, but I saw that it was actually just some guy uh, filming himself face front. And the fact that that person feels confident to say that kind of horrendous bollocks and post it on social media and, and almost feel like you can get away without repercussion is is absolutely astounding especially coming off the fact that we had literally less than a week earlier we had Elias Kachunga get get abused on Instagram Mm. it's absolutely ridiculous and the fact that some people can still comprehend um, to boo the knee just because some members of um, you know who who, who, like skyrocketed it to popularity as an anti-racism symbol had some political views that maybe some people disagree with or don't fully understand or whatever but even the players themselves just said it's an entirely anti-racist thing when we do it on a football pitch mm. yeah and things like that it's 
I just don't understand why you just can't appreciate players for their ability and you just and you just attack them for the colour of skin. It's something that will never make sense to me. I don't want it to ever make sense. And re- really, we stand with Darpo, Kachunga, Delfonso, anyone else who's a person of colour in our club, and we look we look after them uh, as long as long as they're with us in that in that sense. And really, just just call just call it out whenever you see it. Mm. Yeah. I yeah. Actually, here, here. Yeah, and unlike, so unlike you, unlike you do on Twitter, Chris, like you ban everyone that you see who goes against mm. me. I'm I'm pretty much of a um, uh, of a similar mind. You just need to get these races banned for as long as you can possibly, as long as you possibly can. Undoubtedly, well said, mate. Matt, have you anything to anything further? Any any thoughts on the topic? I don't want to dwell on it too much, but I think it's also important that we we, we make it clear to to those listening the the opinion of those taking part. Um, everyone obviously is. If people have got different opinions, then in most walks of life, that's a, that's a fantastic thing. But I think there's certainly some things that that go beyond that. Oh, um, I, there's, I, there's I certainly no sporting context for it. I I absolutely agree with everything James has said there. Really, um, and and like you've said, just block it out. Um, I have actually been doing a bit of research on um that incident because there seems to be more to it than meets the eye. You don't post that on social media if you've got you know if you've got all the right screws in the right places and that and it's never any excuse um but it appears this lad is 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 essentially getting bullied and there's a group and i just want to call out the group of lads that that are behind him in the background laughing and egging him on because that is almost worse because this 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 kid has got autism and apparently he's been doing it for years at ipswich causing problems with fans and stuff like that but it's this it's this group behind him that are making him buy alcohol, that are egging him on to do such videos. So, in my opinion, though, those lads are actually worse than this guy. Who essentially is being, you know, he's being pressured into it, and I think he needs serious help. I really do. I genuinely didn't know that he was autistic. That's added a completely new dimension. I'm even more disgusted now. Mm, yeah. So, it, I think that there's a there's a lot to there's a lot to it, and it's going to be interesting how Ipswich handle it because is a lifetime, I mean, a lifetime ban is really what he should get under normal circumstances, but I would personally like to see the group that's around him punished more. Um, and it's actually really upset me to see that they're taking advantage of this lad that has got serious mental illness. Um, and, you know, they're making him do things that are going to get him in serious, serious trouble. Um, I mean, this could be a police matter for the, for the video he put on Twitter, so... Yeah, well, like you said, if if there's some sort of context behind it, then it does add a new dimension to it. But I think fundamentally, I think what has been a positive to come out of it is to show the the, the reaction, at least online, for the, for those fans who, who who have social media accounts, is for, for how people have responded to to back both Kachunga and and Dapple. It was disappointing when the Wigan game to hear some Bolton fans booing the knee, but it was more encouraging to see more and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, more give him the, the round of applause that the gesture deserves. And so I should think that, you know, given that Bolton is so diverse a town, I should think that we are a little bit more readily enlightened in, in terms of accepting people of all backgrounds and all and all types and everything that everyone everyone can ever be. It's it's a wonderful game. It's a wonderful town. And I just want to make sure that anyone that's listening is left under, in under no uncertain opinion or no uncertainty at all that, that we're completely against any sort of, any sort of action like that. And, 
hopefully people who do get taken advantage of and people that do get pushed into this sort of direction are given the help they need. But, you know, the Wanderers family closed ranks pretty quick, didn't we, around Apo? And that that's I think that we do that regardless of the of the, the target of anything like that. So it, it was mm. positive from that perspective. Yeah. Just as long as we're not so, complacent in our response to it and we take firm action, that that's the best way it can get, you know, eradicated. Most definitely. Most definitely. And, and I think the good thing is it didn't overshadow what was an absolutely sensational performance. So just again, just to briefly cast back to the, to the game itself, we, we did go one down after five minutes. And I don't know about you guys, but I had that familiar, uh-oh, here we go kind of feeling. But the fact that we struck back with two goals in the space of, what, 13, 14 minutes of conceding that first one really does show that the, the, the boys, they, they can take a bit of a knocking and it's not going to dent the confidence at all. Uh, and at the time of recording this, obviously, we're sitting pretty in third in the league. Um, and although we've got a, a couple of tough games on the horizon, it really does give you confidence that going forward, we're, we're going to be a, a, a bit of a force in this division, which at the start of the season was probably something that I, I didn't foresee. Um, so that just brings us to the topic of the next couple of games that we've got on the on the slate. So Rotherham is the first one at home this Saturday, uh, again, at the Reebok. Matty, how do you see that one going? Rotherham have been a bit of a, a, bit of a funny team this season. They're, they're not troubling the top 10. At, at present, they're down in 13th, having played mm. six, one, three, and, and lost three. In fact, they've scored seven and conceded seven, so they've been very, very much middling. The only thing that could make that any more per- perfect is if they'd have been 12th in the league and everything would have been exactly equal. But <laughs> what do you think? What are you, what are you thinking? They lost their last game, so potentially uh, we can come into this right on the back of a bit of confidence and them on the back of a defeat. Yeah, well, I think I think obviously having been to the to the Burton game I was feeling pretty negative and downbeat after that and obviously I knew at the time that we had Ipswich away coming up which in my mind was a really tough game because you don't bring in the calibre of players and spend the money and give out the wages that they have and them not it's going to click into place at some point with Ipswich there's no doubt about that in my mind I don't think they're going to be down where they are for the rest of the season Um, so I was feeling a little bit negative going to the Ipswich game but what a performance and and now I think that gives us a massive springboard to work off. You know, it's the family, it's the family game. So five pound kids, ten pound adults, which is absolutely superb. I do think we could, you know, if if rather than bring a respectable following, which with the ticket prices they should, they should bring fifteen hundred, two thousand. So that'll be the highest away attendance we've had at had had at the Uni Bowl this year. If they bring a fair number. And I think we could really attract a lot of fans. It, 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 it could be 20,000, which should give us a fantastic opportunity to win the game, really. Totally agree. It's, it's heading up to be a good one, isn't it? James, are you, are you looking forward to it? And, and Have you seen anything thus far in Rotherham? I'm assuming that you've uh, you've done more research than I have and at least paid some attention to Rotherham's team because I couldn't name you a single Rotherham player. Uh, well, you're pretty much right about Rotherham being a fairly middling team, but... That, but but that's pretty much for the rest of their squad because they have they've had one standout player this season and that's their forward Michael Smith, who's contributed four of their seven goals and by all accounts, pretty much been fantastic in every game he's played for them, so far. So it'll be interesting to see how he battles with uh, the likely pairing of Santos and Johnston, because we have been mm. slightly leaky at the back with our goals. So we'll have to see how we handle him. But outside of that, I 
pretty much like every other game this season, I'm quite I've been quite confident. Like I feel like most games that we go into, um I think we'll score. Mm. There's been no doubt about that. I mean, we've got the second most goals in the division just behind Wimbledon, so and if we don't carry on the momentum from a 5-2 win, then God help us. But, yeah, I, I, I don't see any reason why we can't beat Rotherham. And like Matty was saying earlier with what should... Be, I don't think we'll hit 20,000, but with a definitely increased crowd from the prices, there's absolutely no reason why that shouldn't uplift the players even, even more than the sky-high limits that they already are to... Mm. to hopefully give Rotherham a good pacing and hopefully break through their back line. Maybe we'll score five again. Who knows? But <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite confident. I completely echo all those words, guys. I think it's shaping up to be a fantastic game. I'm really looking forward to it. And, and I think there's absolutely nothing to fear. Um, we've, we've started the season and I wonder if Everett would, would ever admit this, but I bet we've started the season better than he thought we would. We've obviously played, got a couple of good wins in there and we've we've shown ourselves to be far more resolute and far more capable of holding our own with a largely unchanged first team from last season. Granted, new goalkeeper, new central midfielder is quite fundamental and Johnson, of course, at, t- at centre-back. But other than that, it's the bones of the team that did so well last season. And so going into the Rotherham game, I'm, I'm exactly the same as you boys. I, I fancy us most definitely... And I'm just looking forward to the experience and the atmosphere and getting back in my, my own seat, you know. I feel like I've not been there forever. And it's only been, what, 18 months. So, <laughs> absolutely, we'll bring that on. What comes next after that is a very, very tricky away game, though, in my opinion, against Sunderland. Sunderland, who are currently top of the table with five wins from six. Last time I went to Sunderland, I knocked off work at lunchtime and we lost 4-0 and the coach driver fell asleep on the motorway on the way home. So it, was, it wasn't the best game. I think it was Darren Bent might have even scored a penalty after about 30 seconds. It was shocking. Um, but Sunderland away, toughest game of the season, bar none. James, would you agree? It it will be the biggest test of our campaign so far, without a doubt. Mm. Mm. I think Sunderland... I I honestly think Sunderland's first place, from, from everything that I've heard, is a bit flattering for them. I think results have, have okay. been a bit kind to them so far, but... They're definitely not. They're definitely not a bad team in this division. They're clearly the biggest in terms of club size. I mean, with a stadium like theirs and the facilities they have, they similar to us. They should not be in League One. Um, I think they're given. I think they're slightly renewed under Lee Johnson, and some of the signings have clicked all right. And they've managed to keep the likes of McGeady, who had a massive resurgence last season, but. Like, like I was pretty much saying going into the Rotherham game, momentum is a powerful thing. And if we come away with a fantastic performance against Rotherham, then I honestly really don't think we have much to fear against Sunderland either. I don't think we'll be overwhelmed by the atmosphere of the stadium. I don't think ever or the players will let themselves get bogged down by things no. like that. So it will definitely, in my opinion, it definitely will be tougher because I think they have more flair players do Sunderland but outside of that it's it'll just be an, it'll just be another away game mm, fair enough I, I think had this away game come later on in the season then perhaps you could point to the atmosphere being a key factor because if it was a if it was billion played in March or April and, and both teams are battling near the top end of the league then the power of the home crowd to roar your home in a, in a, in a difficult game is, is, is apparent but late September at home 
you know, it's still the early knock into the season, isn't it? I think you're right. I think that on the gate part of that. Um, but Matty, from your perspective, I don't know if you'll be making a long, long trip from your perspective up to Sunderland. But I am actually. You've great. Well, fair play, fair play. Uh, what, what's your, what are you thinking in terms of the performance? Would you be happy to to approach it from a more cautious perspective, or do you think the Ipswich game has shown that we've got nothing to fear but fear itself? Well, I think I think what James mentioned earlier is that you know, with us being the second top scorers in the league and us looking so dangerous, you'd always back us to score. Mm. And Sunderland, notoriously, over their years in League One, don't actually score hatfuls and hatfuls of goals. It's generally 1-2-0. So there's no, I genuinely think we could go there and get a positive result. In my opinion, a positive result would probably be a draw away at Sunderland, and I'd be happy with that. Um, and, and yes, I'm, I'm going for a big weekend in well, I'm staying in Newcastle, but I'm having two nights there and coming back on the Sunday. So it's gonna be a great weekend all round, plenty of beers. Um excellent. And yeah, hoping just hoping for a for a good experience. I've never actually been up to Sunderland, I've never been to Newcastle, which is supposed to be a great night out. So um but yeah, I'd I'd probably take a point at this point, to be honest. Well, you'll have to remind me afterwards. I'll uh, I'll go back and find a couple of names of the pubs I've been to over the years. It certainly is a, a, a terrific night out. I, I highly recommend Newcastle for anyone out for a good time. Mm. Brilliant. Well, that that pretty much brings us up to date, which has been uh, which has been more in depth than I thought we'd get into. But isn't it funny when you start talking about football when you've got a, a happy mindset? <laughs> just uh, time flies. Well, on that bombshell, I think we'll we'll call it a night, boys. It's it's been great talking to you, Matty. Again, thanks for giving up your time. And James, of course, you are. The tech guru without compare. So <laughs> you may find Line Vienna Suite at Line Vienna STE on Twitter. Podcast is available wherever you can find it. Don't forget to leave that five star review. Matty, where would you like to leave your socials there so the guys can find you if they're interested in uh, following oh, your link? Oh, I'm not on oh, followers, but uh, <laughs> if you really totally want to follow fine. me, you, you can follow me at Matty Downs Twenty Eight, and I'm uh, you know trying to build up more of a more of a Bolton community more more so because living where I do I haven't got like a, a close group of Bolton fans that I go to away games and stuff with so I do tend to go with my brothers but I'm always open to meeting new people so drop us a follow and uh, thanks very much for having me I've thoroughly enjoyed it happy days well I'll tell you what happened to me a couple of years ago I was in Spain I was enjoying a pint with the family in a bar and I got a tap on the shoulder and someone said I recognize your voice are you from that Bolton podcast so you never know these these things could uh, it could come back and you never know new new friends will be made absolutely anywhere you travel in the world. Uh, One just family from far and wide. Well, I was actually I was actually at Creamfields for my birthday the day of the Cambridge game, and I looked in front of me. I was watching Carl Cox DJ that I like. There's a Bolton there's a, there's a Bolton shirt. I recognised the elephant on the back of the shirt, and I, I'd had a few beers, let's say. So I tapped him on the shoulder and we had a natter, and he ended up. I think he, I think he, his seat is only a couple of rows up from me. So there you go. You meet, you meet Bolton fans in all for, in all walks of life, don't you? You certainly do. It's absolutely fantastic. Well, everyone listening, thanks for your time tonight. Don't be strangers, and we'll be back with another podcast, hopefully after the Sunderland game. But uh, depending on the result, we might even get our backsides in gear after Rotherham. Let's look forward to <laughs> another stonking win. Thanks for your time, and we'll bring you the next episode of Line of Inner Sweet podcast very soon. Cheers, gents. Thank you.